You're listening to Mornings with Eric and Bridget right here on Moody Radio 89.3. Well, the psalmist said it first, taste and see that the Lord is good. But Pastor Steve DeWitt is also talking about that in his book, Enjoying God in Everything, A Guide to Maximizing Life's Pleasures. He says that we can taste and see how God is good and how his beauty leads us to wonder and worship. He's the senior pastor at Bethel Church in Northwest Indiana and Chicagoland area. Steve, good morning. Thanks for joining us. Eric, Bridget, I am so excited to be on in Florida. I love the state of Florida. I have vacationed there in the winter for probably 30 years, and a few places are better equipped to talk about beauty than South Florida. (laughs) Well, okay. See, we can say, you know, people here go up north to get to the snow. And so it leads me to the question, beauty is in the eye of the beholder, right? So how do you define it then if it's different for each person? What's your definition of beauty? Well, I think beauty is in the eye of the beholder as long as we understand that God is the beholder. Mm -hmm. Uh, When we think about beauty, We really have to think about where it came from and who is the beauty behind the created beauty that we experience. And, you know, as Christians, we believe that uh, this is is God. He is the creator and uh, that this created world is an expression, Romans 1, of his divine attributes. He's communicating to us what he is like. And so we see in the world around us this incredible, sensory, beautiful, uh, created order that is is intended by God to say, hey, this is this is what I'm like, and uh, maybe like a mirror, you know, a, a mirror reflects what somebody is like without being that somebody. Creation is like that—a giant mirror to what God and who God is, what what He's like, what His character, His essence, uh, His love. These are all qualities. So beauty then is a—it's a kind of descriptive theological term for the sum of all of those perfections of God, all of them individually, beautiful, his mercy, grace, love, you know, these are all things we sing about, praise him for, but you put them all together like a bouquet, and the sum is the, is the, is the statement of his beauty, his glory. Now, glory is a similar term to beauty, it's slightly different, but it gets at the same point that that God is infinitely glorious, infinitely beautiful, and uh, he's the one our hearts long for. Mm-hmm. Was that good? I don't know. Yeah. Does that help, Eric? <laughs> I, I mean, I'd love to talk about Florida sunset. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's definitely a start, Steve. And just even in your title of your book, though, it kind of makes us take a step back. Enjoying God in Everything, A Guide to Maximizing Life's Pleasures. Sometimes when we hear that word pleasures, we think that's a bad thing. But you're saying, no, it actually is a good thing that leads us, that can lead us to him rather than from him. And is intended to lead him, lead us to him. You know, it's a it's a kind of breadcrumb trail for those that are seeking God to to seek Him and to go from what we see in the created order and to wonder then what He must be like. So the main point of the book is that beauty leads to wonder, wonder leads to worship. That God made us as image bearers to come alive. Uh, with the strawberry pie and with the, um, you know, the beautiful music and whatever it might be, that that inner energy we have is wonder. And that uh, unbelievers, because of sin, we worship the created thing all by itself. 
Don't take it to the Creator, again, Romans 1, but that the gospel has opened our eyes to true beauty, who is Jesus Christ. And through that opening, we now see all the other beauties for His sake. Mm-hmm. I think that's the point, largely, of Romans 11, for from him and through him and to him are all things to him be the glory. Every atom, every galaxy, it all is speaking and shouting what he is like. And uh, so as Christians, that makes the pleasure better. That's kind of the point as well, is that the the, the food tastes better and the sunset looks better and uh, the marital intimacy is better when we take the pleasure and we experience it for his sake, we experience it Godwardly, and we turn from that experience and the sort of joy we have in it, and we give God honor, and we give him thanks, and we see him as the beauty behind the beauty. This is what creates then worship, all right? That's what worship is, is, is uh, giving God honor and praise for these things. And so I got a cup of coffee next to me. You probably do uh, mm-hmm. as well. And this coffee is telling me what God is like. And so is that beautiful palm tree that so many of your people probably can see out their window there. So, yeah, that's what the book's about. It's uh, super exciting, and it's been it's been great to help Christians kind of come alive to uh, the daily experiences of the character of God and, and to be worshipful mm-hmm. in them. Mm-hmm. I guess I, I don't want to um, leave what you're talking about, but to a point, all of this is just— because our our life and our world is soaked in sin, um, we're always looking towards heaven as believers. So is this actually, can this be a way to point people to our Savior? Is this a way to point people uh, almost evangelistically to, hey, there's something better out there. This is great. This is wonderful. That song, that that concert we went to, that performance, whatever it is, this is all great. But there's something even better than this. Can Can it lead to that? Well, let me tell you about a Florida experience that I love. Okay. okay. So when I go to Florida, I typically am on the west side, so it's sunset Florida. And go out there on the beach, the sun's setting, people gather, and everyone kind of stares, and we watch that big globe descend into, uh, into the water. And oftentimes, Floridians clap <laughs> at the sunset. Have you noticed that? I... I, I Every time I go, that's what people do. They clap. And I have to believe that, you know, most of these people probably not not Christians. Uh, who are they clapping? And, and why are they clapping? And to your point, it would be great to walk up to them and say, hey, you know, would you like to know who the applause is for? Mm-hmm. <laughs> who, who made this uh, beautiful sunset? And what are these beautiful rays through the sky? What are they, what are they there for? Mm-hmm. The heavens declare the glory of God. That's there to tell us about God. God's shouting, you know, he's shouting to us. Again, Romans 1, nobody's going to stand before God and be able to say, you didn't, you didn't tell me. Uh, men are without excuse because of this daily experience of the created expressions of the glory of God. And uh, so it all ties into the gospel for sure. And I think that to your point, uh, Eric, is there, there, there could be an opportunity uh, to to do that because all image bearers love beauty, love beauty. It's just, I mean, it's universal. 
We all love it. It's so true. We're talking with Pastor Steve DeWitt, author of Enjoying God in Everything. And we're celebrating the beauty that we see in our world. But what about those darker places? Think about war-torn zones like in Ukraine. Can we find beauty even in those darker places in our world? Well, you're asking for a theology of ugly, Mm -hmm. essentially, there. And we all instinctively know what beauty is, and we all kind of instinctively know when something's ugly, morally ugly, uh, ethically ugly. And I think ugly also speaks to beauty in that it is the absence of beauty. So Satan is the absence of the goodness of God, and sin is the absence of the glory of God, falls short of the glory of God. And even aesthetically beautiful things that are... uh, not the created order as God intended, in a way, asymmetrically speak to the beauty of God and help our hearts long for the opposite of what this is. And so we want the opposite of war. We want peace. Well, Jesus, Prince of Peace, right? Uh, we want, we don't like hate. We want love. Well, God is love. And so there is that sort of, uh, it's, it's kind of uh, reverse engineering beauty But I do think that there's a place, if we think about it rightly and biblically, to see how the ugly can also lead us to the beautiful. Mm. Your last chapter is enjoying God and what we make. What if we're not very handy? I'm not an artist. I can't really sing in tune or whatever it is. What about that person that doesn't see themselves as being creative or able to make something? Well, Eric, I'm looking at your bio here in front of me, and it says, Eric enjoys listening to Chris Tomlin, Crowder, and his old records, Think Neil Diamond or Hank Williams. Do I have that right? Yeah, that, yes, yes. <laughs> okay. So Although I haven't listened to a record in a while. It's a little bit of work to get the records out. But anyway. Yeah, I get it. You're, you're, so you, you can't make anything, and apparently you can't play anything, but you still enjoy what human beings the beauty that human beings create. And that can be architecture, landscaping, painting, or in your case, music. Uh, there is a place for the artist, for sure. And I think Christian theology should have a expansive view of, of Christian expressions of beauty. But even if we aren't artistically uh, gifted, we certainly enjoy others who are. And so that chapter is... Uh, the previous chapter is how do we, how do we turn what God's made into worship? Okay. So that's created things, uh, divinely created things. This chapter though is, is about, uh, the joy we have in experiencing, uh, the beautiful things that image bearers make and they don't have to be Christian image bearers. In fact, uh, non, non Jewish, non Yahweh worshipers helped build that, um, tabernacle and to artistically decorate the temple. And and so I think there's a place for uh, the enjoyment of anything that is beautiful, that is made and done the way that God intended these things to be made and made and done. There's ugly human art as well, but Mm -hmm. those things that are beautiful that God himself would say that is good, we can enjoy. And I would say we should enjoy. Um, So to be robustly aesthetical, uh, as Christians, and to uh, walk through the the art museum, uh, to to walk through Fifth Avenue uh, in Naples there, and to enjoy so many 
beautiful expressions of art, albeit more expensive than most can afford. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But Hey, that is, that's all part of it as well. As long as we take that experience and that wonder and we give thanks to God for it and we honor God for how this artist or this picture or whatever reflects his own ethical symmetry and his own beauty. And, uh, and, and in doing that, those can be little platforms for worship as well. Well, at the end of the first chapter about the beauty of God, you encourage us to take a few minutes to ponder the Trinity. How do we see uh, the beauty of God in his three persons? Now, Bridget, you told me we only had like 12 or 15 minutes. <laughs> right. I know, I know. You, it you could throw, be a dissertation. You throw, that, you throw that one out at the end. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> okay, let me, let me make a very quick run at it, okay? <laughs> Super fast. The essence of beauty is the self-giving love between the Father, Son, and the Spirit. Okay, so the epicenter of all beauty is right there. It is, it is Trinitarian love and self-giving. The expression of it incarnately in this world, its pinnacle was Jesus on the cross. There we see divine beauty, uh, love, obedience, all of that. So to understand, you know, what beauty is, you have to understand the source of it. And that's where the Trinity is, is truly the headwaters of everything beautiful and good in this world. And so I spent some time trying to explain that. So we know what the, you know, before we understand the sunset, let's understand um, the, the, the Godhead and how those two connect. 